0: This episode of Family Trips is brought to you by Nissan. Nissan SUVs have the capabilities to take your adventure to the next level. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Here we go. Hi, Pashi. Hi, Suvi. I'm very excited. <laughs> I'm going to get you out east. It's a rarity. I know. It's a rarity to get you to come back home to the coast you grew up on. It's not that rare, but it's special it's special you know what it's special one of the problems is you're a snob right (laughs) like you're a west coast snob now yeah i'm always waving that uh that w and up you are yeah you're west coast um but this is very exciting you're coming out because you and i are going to appear at on air fest It's a podcast festival, and you and I, I think our listeners know, have ourselves a podcast. We do, but this is going to be our first podcast fest. Yeah, this is our first fest, and I think it speaks, and I want to thank the listeners. You got to have a fair amount of listeners before they invite you to the fest, so thank you, Family Trips listeners. It's going to be at the Wythe Hotel in Brooklyn on March 1st, and you guys could go to onairfest.com if you want to see us in person. Yeah, it should be really fun. It's going to be... Just a conversation with us. And I don't know, I can't, I can't answer the questions yet because I don't know what they are. Right. I hopefully a bunch of gotcha questions. I will say one of the <laughs> nice things about seeing us in person is uh, unlike the podcast, you know which one of us is talking. Yeah. I can't recommend that enough. Right. Unless you close your eyes. Don't close your eyes. Here's what I'm worried about when I'm talking about the snobbiness of you coming east. Uh-huh. I'm assuming we'll get you to come to the slopes with the boys. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you'll come skiing with the kids and I look, it's not a mountain up to your standards. But I have skied it once yeah. last year and I loved it. It was so fun. It was like, it's fun for me to ski with your little dudes. Yeah. And they've taken a real leap, let me just say. Yeah. And I also, you know, I think I've said this before, but your eldest, Ash, insists that he goes really fast. And I just need to be able to keep skiing faster than him. He will pass me someday. Right. But it ain't today. He's he's seven. So I had a really wonderful thing, which is Axel's class finishes a half hour before Ash's. And Axel wanted to go skiing with me, which is great. So I geared up in expectation of this. And just going up on the ski lift with him, so much fun. We did a couple of runs. And then we picked up Ash, and Ash also wanted to do a run with us. So now i got both boys so excited to get three of us on a ski lift. Ash, insistent, he goes on his own lift. He does uh-huh. it. He tells me he doesn't want to go with us. He knows how to get the bar down. I'm like, fine. Me and Axel get on. Ash gets on the next one. Pashi watching him get the bar down was the most terrifying thing oh I've ever God. seen. Swear to God, thought he was going to fall off. And just trying to think of how I'd explain to Alexi, well, he said he wanted to go alone. <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> drops one of his poles. Ugh. Everything about it was so stressful, touch and go. And again, it's why I like being inside. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so just promise when you're there, I think hopefully he'll be excited enough to be on a lift with his uncle, but we're just don't, don't let him go solo. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I yeah. feel like there are signs that also say don't do that, but, you know, I yeah. don't know. you're a big TV star, so. The other problem, not a problem, but uh, way home, I and again, you know, I get the boys to skiing. Yeah. I and, and you know that I'm married to truly the greatest mom I could possibly be married to. But yet, I get them there. It was pouring rain. I got them in their boots, their gloves, their hats. They have so much shit to put on. I was really proud of myself skiing and then on the way home stop for hot cocoa now mm-hmm. this is something i've added to the day this was a unilateral decision by me to get him cocoa and i say to him, just don't spill it all over yourself i'm trying to teach them and i know i shouldn't do this i'm trying to teach them to hide their crimes I'm oh basically yeah, yeah like we're gonna get cocoa just don't look like you had cocoa <laughs> <laughs> which is tough for a kid It's tough for a kid. We got home. I opened the back door. Axel, it looked like he murdered a person (laughs) made of chocolate. It looked like he stabbed a person made of chocolate a thousand times. Just all over his pants, his shirt, his face, his hair. Disaster. Oh, man. But that almost feels like that kid's natural state. Yeah, It's Just like he's going to be covered in something. He is he is an agent of chaos. Yeah. He's like he's a, a wildling. He's a wildling. Like the his teacher said. He, oh, I said, how did Axel do this week? He said, you know, Axel loves to ski and he also loves mischief. And we like him more when he's focusing on skiing instead of mischief. Which I will say that is a very kind piece of feedback to give to a parent when what you're really saying is half the time your kid's a dickhead. Yeah. Do you know what this alpine mischief is? Well, so great question. I said to him, uh, what sort of mischief are we talking about? And as I said that, Axel said, here was your pole and threw the teacher's pole into the woods. (laughs) 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 Also, Axel did a very funny thing. Axel is very funny. We're going up on the lift and a dad was skiing with his son and said, good job, Leon. And Axel said hey Leon and the kid looked up and Axel waved at him and I said oh is Leon in your class he goes no I have never met Leon I just heard his name (laughs) so he literally heard the dad call him Leon and then just confused the shit out of the kid Uh, yeah which also when you're skiing looking up at a lift takes you away from what you should be focusing on yeah even when Ash had almost fallen off the lift Axel was screaming at him to try to talk to him on the lift I'm like stop talking to Ash. Ash does not need to be distracted right now. Didn't Ash in a previous week, like, spill hot chocolate all over himself? Yeah. The last week. <laughs> but Axel gave him a hard time about it. Yeah, Axel did give him a hard time about it. Well, so Axel didn't spill it. Axel just right. got it all over himself. Axel feels like, also oh, I said Axel when we got home, I said, alright, well, you have to dump out whatever you have left. You can't bring Coco into the house. Your sister's there. No one's going to want her to see that you guys had hot chocolate. So Axel said, I still have half a cup left. And I said, all right, when you get out of the car, dump it on the ground. I opened the door and he literally just threw it at my pants. Out of like out of anger or no, out of, this is going to fix this is the solution he was trying to dump it on the ground but i was just standing right there right. but i said why couldn't you just wait and it's <laughs> eh. he's so funny because he's very literal but then also 85 percent of the time he ignores the literal words you're saying so yeah well i can't wait to see him when i come out there for on air to see him hey uh, we had uh this is one of my favorites that you're about to listen to yeah. And again, I love them all, but man Moammer has as unique a story as anyone uh we've talked to on this pod. Absolutely. Yeah, like a journey from uh yeah. from where he started to where he's where he's got now and uh you know, he's got stand-up specials on Netflix, he's got his show Mo on Netflix, season 2 is about to come out, but uh where he started to where he is is uh is kind of crazy. You know, a lot of times uh yeah we talk about family trips as uh optional things people do a lot of Mo's family trips were due to geopolitical circumstances and yep. he has a great appreciation for his parents and how they uh they took care of him and his his siblings so it's a it's a great story he's a great chat and uh go to on airfest.com if you want to see us in brooklyn And listen to Jeff Tweedy He's got a few things to say to you It might sound a little familiar But always beautiful
1: Family Chips With the
0: Miles Brothers
1: Family Chips With the Miles Brothers Here we go
0: Yeah Hey
1: How's it going?
0: <laughs> Hi, Mo. How are you, Mo? I'm very sorry. This is Josh. I'm I'm just on my phone. I can't see you. I got technical difficulties.
1: This is a Skype emoji. What is this? We're going. We went back in time. <laughs>
0: I don't think I'm on Skype. I think I'm just on Zoom audio. But maybe they're uh, they're mimicking the the Skype icon. Every time you talk, we see a green phone. Anyway, Mo, since we've been lucky enough to meet and you haven't met my brother, I will just tell you he looks exactly like me, but 15% handsomer. (laughs) He sounds just like you. Yeah, he does sound just like me. This is actually the easiest because you'll be able to tell who's talking because it's either my face or a green phone
1: icon. You know, if he starts, if Josh starts speaking, it almost sounds like your subconscious is talking. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Let me switch it
0: up yeah oh I, w- I wish i was a little bit taller yeah i wish
1: you know i don't know wish i could sleep better yes wish you slept better oh man come hang out with me you'll sleep great <laughs> a great sleeper phenomenal sleeper are you have you
0: always been a great sleeper
1: i am when i do sleep you know whenever it's time for bed whenever it's time yeah I, i'm a sleeper for sure i'm out like i'll work hard i'll hit it 20 hours but when it's time it's over you know i'll see you i'll see you on the flip side you shake me Maybe a little smack, you know? No, no, no. I'm still sleeping. I'm still doing the thing.
0: <laughs> I'm an exceptional sleeper. I've always been an exceptional sleeper. Same thing, especially my SNL years, would work 20, you know, 20, 30 hours straight and then just conk out. And I am married to a woman who is a terrible sleeper. And I oh. think it might be the hardest thing about our relationship. Because if I so much as roll over, I've ruined her entire evening. Whereas she could... She could make eggs at the foot of the
1: bed and I wouldn't wake up. That's so funny because my ex-wife was like this and and I just got remarried recently. And I said to myself, that's the number one thing. How do you sleep? You know, do you sleep well? <laughs> I'm not asking you to restart, by the way, Seth. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just saying <laughs> you can find other solutions. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I, I yeah, we we both sleep exceptionally well, so. I'm out. I can walk around the entire. I walked in and the entire alarm was blaring in the house. I didn't know she had set the alarm, and the house was going. I was like, "Oh no, I'm about to wake her up." And I just had a baby. We just had a baby like seven weeks ago, so I was just like, "Oh my god, the baby's probably up and she's up." And I turned off the alarm and I ran in there and she's sound asleep. My baby's sound asleep because we're both exceptional sleepers. So the, then the baby, we passed it on to the baby, and and I'm just about to walk into the restroom and on the hardwood floors it just went see. And she woke up like, hi, beep. I was like, you're a psycho. What is the, <laughs> What just happened? Do you know the entire house? There's fire trucks outside. <laughs> you just slept through all that. But the squeaking on the floor is what got you. I don't know what it is. But I'm the same way. It could be like something I feel threatened or somebody's around. I'll wake up. It's very interesting. And are you eight hours? Do you think you
0: typically get eight hours a night? Or can you go like long? Because our parents right now, our parents have turned into mm-hmm. people who can sleep like 10 11 hours a night which is weird but
1: there are people who can do that where are you at no i can't do 10 and 11 hours if i do 10 11 hours that means i stayed up deliberately for a really long time like i'm in pre-production for my show right now so i'm trying to get as much rest as possible gearing up for the actual production of it all so and those are like you know a great Easy days, like 12 to 14 hours, like, yay, it's such a short day, you know? So I'm just uh, kind yeah. of building up to that. I've been sleeping early, waking up super early, going to work out. I'm, I'm doing this experiment on myself, <laughs> trying to see how much how much weight and how chiseled I can get before March 4th. <laughs> I got 50 workouts All before right. March 4th right now. I'm, I'm 30, almost 30 workouts in. And we're going to do another 50, which I don't know how we're going to do that. And I wake up on Mondays crying usually that I have to restart the whole week because it's six days a week, workout six days a week. And this week we're flipping to eight workouts this week. And so I'm just, you know, when Saturday comes, I'm like so excited that I made it through it. And then Sunday is the only off day. And then tomorrow you're like, oh, God, I got to do this again. Why?
0: (laughs) Have you ever had like a, this is my workout era or is this a whole new thing?
1: No, I had had some boxing years like in my early twenties and I just loved martial arts and I did that in my teens. And then I just loved boxing. I'm a huge fan of Muhammad Ali and he's a huge inspiration for me and and for so many people as you know, but I, I just loved technique and I loved boxing. So I did that for like a good four or five years. Uh, like straight and I was just a monster for a long time and then the career took off so I was touring most of the time and you get lazy fall back into really bad traps and you know stuff can sneak up on you and uh and it sure in hell did for me you know uh and it's just it's just uh, a bummer and so the longer you wait the sadness continues to build up like why did I let myself do this? And actually, my friend Toby Nuiwe, who Grammy nominee artist, who's my co-star on the show, he calls me up all the time. He's like, Mo, you can't be a fat genius. You know, <laughs> you can't be this. He's, it's funny because he's my best friend. He's, right. so, he's always motivating me. He's like, you just can't be. You can't be a genius loser. Like, you can't. Like, every morning he wakes me up and he's sweating and he's just so, you know, he's just an athlete. And he's like, and I'm like, you're right. You're right. So I started going to this uh, gym called Kengo, which is uh, a whole nother situation. It's a whole nother level.
0: It sounds like a gym where there's no nonsense. I One summer, I trained with a boxing instructor, and I realized it wasn't for me when he, he kept calling my jabs angel kisses. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, In front of other people, I should note. I got angel kissed right on the honker, like right in between. It wasn't even like right on the, it was right here. He was shorter than me. He was one of the trainers there. And I was sparring a ton. And he was like the last sparring session. And he hit me like right here. And I had him the whole time. I was like, really kept my distance doing great. Hit me right here. Got a little angel kiss right there. (laughs) And it was such a weird location. My eyes went blurry. My eyes were watering. I didn't know where he was. He was just beating the snot out of me. And I felt, like, I was potato head. I could detach my nose, move it to the right, left. It was just the most painful thing. I'm like, I'm a comedian. What the hell am I doing? This is dumb. This is so dumb. Like, it's, I was on stage, and for some reason, the mic, like, hit my nose or something, and it just felt like I died. I was like, this is the last time. And that's I think that's when I quit. I was like, I don't need this. I'm not trying to go wearing the golden gloves to become a pro boxer. I'm am a I'm a comedian. That's what I do. Okay, I learned enough. Thank you. Namaste. Whatever you say when you exit this gym, I'm out. So that's the last time it was over for me.
0: That's not for me. I did taekwondo for a little while and there was always a sparring day. And my master, Master Park, was like, let's spar with me today. And I was like, "Okay, great. And and taekwondo, you wear like a mask that sort of has a cage over your face. Mm -hmm. And then there's padding that sort of circles your face. And he hit that cage into my face so many times that I had a bruise. Like an oval bruise going from my forehead down both of my cheeks and down my chin and uh yeah he really he really tuned me up but a lot of respect a lot of respect
1: yeah yeah my taekwondo teacher uh slapped me with his foot once
0: that's not fair
1: (laughs) and it was such control behind it it was like i was like okay he's like five foot four maybe and he just yeah. slapped me in my... I was like, you know, it's, it's so humiliating. <laughs> well, those Taekwondo teachers, you'll think that
0: your you're guard's up and you you're doing the best you can. You got your hands really? up and your elbows in. And then they'll find that spot where you're not protected and they'll hit you in it just to be like, you're not as well protected as you think you are. And it's, it's a good, it's a good wake up call.
1: No, I, he hit me in slow motion one time as a fake sword. He was doing like collie <laughs> sticks and he was like, okay, block, 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 block. I swear to you like this, this slow block, 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 block. It hit me right in the face. I'm like, how did I miss that? It was like, I just whiffed completely. He was going in ultra slow motion.
0: The takeaway from this conversation so far is if you're ever with a comedian who tells you they're trained in boxing or martial arts and you get attacked, you're still fucked.
1: The, uh, exactly. Yes.
0: <laughs> they cannot protect you. You're getting ready for
1: season two of Mo. Yep. Yeah, I'm currently in uh, pre-production right now.
0: All right, so this is a, a fantastic autobiographical show. You're also great in Rami, which is uh, also a great autobiographical show. And what I love about both shows in what I'm very excited to talk to you about today Very different backgrounds than uh, Josh and I. Uh, And your story is incredible. You were born in Kuwait. Mm -hmm. And you're nine years old when you moved to Houston. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. And so early life, before you get to Houston and your family lives in Kuwait,
1: were you taking family trips? And and what were those like? Yeah, it's funny because it's a vacation that I always reference because it was like the last time any semblance of like a, fa- a real family vacation you know when you have to like leave something such as heavy as the gulf war it just family trips are like the last thing you know what i mean yes. like, hey, right. what hey, we should we do this summer survive you know <laughs> of like, course it was- <laughs> right <laughs> so we had we had um this particular vacation like, it foreshadowed my entire future. It's really, really something that I just discovered a few years ago, how impactful it was. We went to Egypt. It was my mother, father, and my brother, and myself. We went to Cairo. Yeah. Amazing experience going there. But it was the first time I saw a live performance as well. My father took us to a great play called, "What say, the Shaghal, which is uh, led by this just icon of a comedian, comedic actor, Adil Imam, which I was like seven years old at the time. I didn't even understand how impactful it was to me, but I was laughing so hard. My mother's looking at me like, how do you even understand any of this? I was like, no, I get it. I just understood the physicality and the emotion behind it. And I just thought it was like wildly entertaining. And I just, something there definitely struck me in that situation. And then from there, we went to, like, Mango Island, and there was, like, a whole... this like, what is Mango Island? There's an entire island that's just dedicated to mangoes? Like, I, <laughs> I want to live here. Please leave me under this tree leave me family it's been a good run you know i love you yes but you must leave me here because mango is the greatest fruit in my opinion of all time (laughs) was mango island truly a full island just dedicated to mangoes was it It was all mango trees the entire thing was just like a small it's probably like super tiny but i was seven so it was glorious it was you know it was stumbling along the pyramids it was just like i oh yeah pyramids are nice Leave me here at Mango Island. Like, that's all I really cared about. (laughs) And my father, may rest in peace, he passed away in 95, but my father always wore suits. Like, every day. It doesn't matter. The beach, it's a suit. He's rolling up his slacks and he's walking in the ocean. Like, he never left the house without a suit and tie, at the very least, a tall button-up. With a jacket like didn't matter what time of day it was and what time of year it was if we're going to a baseball game it's always that and seeing on my father in a suit and tie on a horse we horsebacked a lot there <laughs> uh through the pyramids it's just so funny all the pictures is him is in a suit and tie like this is vacation but no you always have to be presentable and that's just the way he rolled and there was this picture that i man, it's just, it's ingrained in me. I'm holding this VHS camera, you know, the old VHS cameras you hold over your shoulder and has, and you just have to peek through the film and you got to stay real stable to get anything good out of it. I'm holding it in my left hand and my mom and my brother are next to me and there's a man standing behind me. He has his hands on me like this. He's, we're taking a picture. I have no clue who this person is. It turns out to be, his name is Yusuf Idris, who is like an iconic, Playwright, screenwriter, like one of the most prolific guys ever in the region. Like he's that guy. And I'm holding this camera and I have my mom and my brother next to me who are the leads of my show today. And I have this video camera left hand side with this iconic playwright and screenwriter holding his hands on my shoulders. And I'm wearing a shirt that no one monitored. Okay. (laughs) We were swimming so much on this family vacation that we ra- I ran out of clothes and I think my mom just went down to some crappy tourist shop and just like reached in, you know, one of those baskets like three shirts for 10 bucks kind of thing and she just reached in there and grabbed these shirts. I'm wearing a US military recruitment shirt <laughs> that says join the forces kill. Like what in the world <laughs> is this shirt? And 2 years later the war happened. Wow. And then four years later, I started doing stand up comedy as a little 13 year old. And, you know, 25 years after that, I have my own series where my mom and my brother lead. Now, this video camera, I thought, you know, was gone forever. So I was touring in the Middle East. I look at my manager. It's like whenever I tour the Middle East, it's not just touring the Middle East. I'm doing arenas. It's like, uh, just imagining this small kid uh, that left, Way for Houston and then comes back all these years later and they're like building theaters for me to perform in it's it's just really surreal so it's deeply emotional so I, I'm really reflective every time I go back and I'm looking at my phone I'm looking at that picture and I still didn't even realize what kind of shirt I was wearing until then I was like I was like Mustafa man I was like look what the hell I'm wearing nobody monitored this shirt this is so absurd and I look at the video camera and I go man I wish I knew what happened in this video camera. It's been like 30 years at this point. It's probably gone. It's just two days, right? Two days later, I went to Mon Jordan. I'm at my aunt's house. We Just ate a really dense dish. And it was just like, everybody's falling asleep. Like literally everyone is just passing out. I hear my aunt, almost like in slow motion, like Will Ferrell and old school, or go to a video camera for you, you know? <laughs> I, have, I, have, I have a video camera. And I was like, What? Yeah, you know, what? Like this. And she leaves. She's like 75, so it's real heavy. She comes back and she has the video camera that I was referencing two days prior in her hand. And I couldn't believe it. And then my cousin walks in with all these plastic bags full of VHS tapes. And I was like, no way. Sure enough, the camera's in mint condition that night back at the hotel. I'm like, I'm so curious to see if it works. I plug it in, start sticking VHS tapes in there. You know, you gotta look in the viewfinder to see what the hell you're watching. The first video is a Michael Jackson concert. I was like, well, it's the 80s. (laughs) Michael Jackson was very popular. Put it back in. (laughs) Oh, another Michael Jackson concert. Really love Michael Jackson. (laughs) Next one is a family. There's some kind of party going on. I recognize some of the people, but I don't recognize the house. And I'm just desperate to see my dad because I've never, I don't have any video footage of my father at that point. And five minutes later, he walks into the screen. He's like the life of the party. He's taking portraits of everyone. It was the most unbelievable thing wow. and i ended up unearthing like oh my god i think it was like 15 vhs tapes and some of that footage was from that family vacation in egypt it was unbelievable i couldn't believe it it's in mid-condition this baby right here <laughs> well look wow. at that case. Look, at this. <laughs> look at this baby it's for sale we'll be on ebay next week after this documentary next year. that's real good isn't that crazy you mentioned your dad wearing a
0: suit. And so in my head, I thought, oh, he must be a serious cat. But then you also said he was the life of the party. He is. Were you close? Did Was he a fun guy to be around?
1: Super fun guy. Like, really, really entertaining. He loved poetry. He loved literature. He loved the arts in general. He was a telecommunications engineer. So he was always hip to the latest technology, you know, uh, as far as cameras, lenses, uh, uh, any kind of tech, televisions, he was on it and his office at the house was just him tinkering with different technology of that day. Like he would dissect it, open it up and understand it inside and out. He was uh, actually pivotal in building the first radio station in Kuwait. Uh, his entire team was the ones that helped create wireless communication between oil rigs. He's, he's a really, really brilliant dude. He's also very serious. You know, at times a dad is always, you know, has that. Yeah, he wants to raise a man, you know, like that kind of energy, but really, really sweet, super fun, just an entertaining guy and constantly the life of the party. And one of those VHS tapes actually on earth was it was like 2 a.m. Everybody's sitting around and he had like two poets there and they were reciting poetry in the house. And I was up like just excited to be part of the fun and mom serving fruit. And it was just um, he was a really lively guy. And he was all about traveling and and took my mom everywhere, you know, whenever he could. It was six of us. So two of my brothers were studying here in the States. And uh, my brother and I and my sisters were were in Kuwait still.
0: Wow. So this is before the Gulf War. You have two of your siblings are studying in the state. Was Western culture at all a
1: part of your upbringing? Was that something you were aware of before Houston? Listen. The only thing I was aware of was moonlighting. Okay, because my sisters were obsessed with moonlighting. It was like <laughs> Bruce Willis had uh, yeah. Civil Shepherd, I think, or something. Yeah, one hundred percent right. Is this? No, no. It. Music was yeah. Music was a big part of it. You know, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Western culture was was absolutely spreading well there, and it was all these licensing, all these different shows that would come in to Kuwait. But at that point, I was so young, and I was an outside kid. I was a, constantly outside. With my friends playing sports, I would just leave. Like my mom would tell me, like I was so worried. You would leave. I was like five years old. I would just leave and come back like after dinner. I didn't know where you were, and uh, it was it's super safe in Kuwait. It's not like the same concerns you ever. It's so safe, and it's very very different experience when I first landed here in the states. <laughs> I was like, where am I? it was really really a massive contrast for me and like I, nobody told me what halloween was like when i showed up to the states it was like two days before halloween happened and i've never <laughs> seen anything like this and then halloween happened and i was like oh my god what is wrong with everything He was just freaking out and i've you know it was one of
0: those yeah it feels like we should put a warning out about halloween to to people <laughs>
1: that are moving over here I landed, like, two days before, it, and then Halloween happened. I'm like, whoa, what is this? America's dark, man. I'm like, this is, like, year nine, so everything is so much bigger, right? Everything is so grand when you see it. It's, like, skeletons everywhere. Their eyes are hanging out, and there's, like, blood coming off their face. I just came from war, bro. Don't do this. I'm triggered. I'm very triggered <laughs> by this. No, no, it, was, it wasn't <laughs> like that. Hey, we're going to take a quick break and hear
0: from some of our sponsors. Hey, Paji. Hey, Sufi. It's official. We have found... The softest clothing brand of all time. Oh, so soft. San Francisco base brand Marine Layer. These t-shirts, they're insanely soft. They also, they do something that I, I can't believe more places don't do. Their sizing is so good. They will have like a large and a medium, but then there's like a medium large. There's like a marge size. So you can always find your perfect fit. Over at Marine Layer, if there's something you like, you're not going to be in between because they got your in-betweens. It's a bummer, too, because it's well-made clothes, and sometimes it's not their fault that you're falling between a medium and a large, but they fix that for themselves. And let me just say, softness aside, they also have these lightweight puffer vests, puffer Mm. jackets. I'm a big fan of puffer, both the style and the word. Uh Uh-huh. I like to say, grab me my puffer. Yep. I think my kids like it. And also, you know why I like puffer? Do you remember what I used to call my inhaler? Your your puffy? Yeah, my puffy. So now I have my puffy, which is my Ventolin <laughs> inhaler, and my puffer. Also, for a limited time, our listeners get a 15% off discount with our exclusive link. Just head to marinelayer.com slash trips. I think we can all admit that great clothes can be hard to find. Look no further than Marine Layer. For a limited time, get 15% off at marinelayer.com slash trips. That's marinelayer.com slash trips for 15% off your entire order. Saving your closet one shirt at a time. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. I'm a foodie to the core. Whether it's in the kitchen, trying out a new recipe, and then having my wife come into that same kitchen and say, get out of the kitchen, you're doing it wrong. (laughs) Or going to a new restaurant And now whether I'm eating out or eating in I can earn rewards with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card Hey Pashi Yes Sufi Spent the holidays in New Mexico where my wife is from You've been there, you've come every once in a while Beautiful and one of the best eating parts of the country That I was never aware of Until I met Alexi Southwestern cuisine Green chilies Red chilies What do they call it when you order them both together? You know what it's called? It's called Christmas Wow And we're not just making that up You can say Christmas all year round And they know that that's red and green together You know what the best part is? What's up? Got to use my US Bank Altitude Go Visa signature card And if you do the same thing You'll earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, plus earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries. Think of all the rewards you will earn every time you make your favorite meal or order from your favorite restaurant. The Altitude Go card also earns two times points at gas stations and EV charging stations, as well as on streaming services. Plus, discover how you can earn 20,000 bonus points, a $200 value at usbank.com slash altitudego when you apply. Live every day your way with the Altitude Go card. Learn more at usbank.com slash altitude go. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA Incorporated. Some restrictions may apply. I mean, obviously you're leaving for the worst possible reason but also you're at an age where it's also probably scary to make a move like that even if it was for a less awful reason what was in your your head like how do, had it been described to the kids like what was about to happen with this move to Houston
1: well here's the thing about arabs we don't communicate to our children you know we don't tell them anything you just be like hey everything's going to be fine and they hold everything in our parents protect us from everything and they just put it right in there and then it comes out about 20 years later when they tell you everything. <laughs> but it was, uh, <laughs> that's usually how it works uh, in our culture. But no, it, it you know, it was very clear that, you know, the plan was to come here to Houston and we're starting a new life for obvious reasons. And, but uh, what was going through my mind is honestly like I didn't want, my mom actually went back to Kuwait and dealt with much, much worse circumstances than I did. So she's such a soldier in that way. Like I couldn't believe, you know, what she actually went through and uh, put herself through to make sure that her kids were safe was she's such a hero of mine for that and when i got to houston it, you know it's a lot has changed so i just it's uh everyone was close to each other my families are all next to each other my uncle is three houses down my aunts are my cousins are there my you know so it's just unearthing you're starting something completely new and it's a, really a testament to houston houston is such a special and unique place and it doesn't get the credit that it deserves and that's why I wanted to film my series here so badly because it's such a diverse place and immediately makes you feel at home uh, and the friends that I've made when I first arrived in Houston are still my friends to this day. We're, we're very, very close. I see them as much as possible. And and that's the kind of community it does, even though it's the fourth largest city. They call it H-Town, right? So it feels like a small town and a village in some way. So that really helped a lot of it. And then the rest of it was like the social curve, you know, understanding what's cool, what's not cool. Getting into fourth grade and just walking in where I went to a private British English school in Kuwait where I was learning, you know, multiple languages and almost starting like pre-algebraic formulas and then I get here and the curriculum is just, they're still doing just addition here like i couldn't (laughs) believe it and it was throwing me off and there's kids trying to drag me to the bathroom because bloody mary is gonna appear in the mirror if they say it three (laughs) times and write her name like what are you guys doing in america you know like it was just why are these trying to summon a satanic being in the mirror this is awful it was one of those it was just really, really tough, boy. Let me tell you, those first couple of years were really, really tough. Uh, just trying to acclimate to, to what was going on with the kids here in the schools. I was just really worried about their futures. I was more worried about them than I was myself. <laughs> oh, man, I was, I was like, guys, 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 let's bring it back together. Let's just put it back all together. You guys are messed up. But yeah, you guys are really messed up here. You had a British accent, too, didn't you, Mo, when you came over? I had a hint of a British, yeah, because I learned British English. So it was all like, hello, pardon. You know, I would say things like that. (laughs) Yeah, pardon me, pardon, pardon me. Yeah.
0: So not only were you doing algebra, but, yeah, you were also sounding more erudite than uh, than I imagine the kids in let your class. Let me tell you
1: something. Nothing gets you smacked faster in fourth grade in, in Houston than saying, pardon me? You know, that <laughs> will get you a good smack, let me tell you. And the one thing that made me cool immediately is I could throw a football like nobody's business. And when it was like that, I was like, oh foreign kids really really talented (laughs) (laughs) was that just something that came to you naturally you weren't throwing a football around in kuwait were you no i was throwing it's funny because we would play football with a soccer ball sometimes just as a like hey let's try this and yeah my brother would show me this like oh and so when he would leave and go back to college me and the guys were like oh it's what they do watch you know and we just throw a, a actual soccer ball as a football but we weren't really playing that way i think my brother brought me one at some point but it was just, I was a natural at it right out of the gate. I could just zip that thing, man. I could just throw it. I was throwing like 50, 60 yards in like eighth grade. They'll look the other way at a lot of weird stuff in Texas
0: if you can throw a football. I mean, oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Oh, yeah. They've, they've yeah. ignored worse than pardon me in a British accent if it kid can yes, throw a football.
1: Exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh, it changed huh? immediately. When I was good at sports, it was like, oh, okay. He's one of us, y'all. Come on in, man. Come on. <laughs> You know, it was like. It was like that. My gym teachers would always, like, clearly they were looking for a quarterback in, like, seventh grade. He's like, we're going to put a cone out there, all right? All right. All y'all get in line. Let's see you can throw the football close to the cone. Now, the cone about 50 yards away. Now You throw it three yards off, four yards off, six yards off. that mean, that's this. If it's six yards off and you threw it 50 yards, I means you, you threw it 44 yards. You get it? All right. Now, come on. Everyone just throwing shitty balls. And then I threw the hell out of it. It was like two yards off the cone. He was like, hey, boy, you throw that in, but I got there. Let me talk to you for a second, boy. Like, all of a sudden, it became a meeting. You thought about playing football, you know? I was like, yeah, sure, I'll I'll do that. Yeah, I can do that. (laughs) So, did you play? Did you play in high school? Yeah, no, I didn't play in high school. I, I played in middle school. I had aspirations too, but everything changed, shifted for me dramatically in, in ninth grade with my father passing. I just didn't care anymore. Yeah. You know, I didn't care about school. I didn't care about anything. I was skipping school. I was living like Ferris Bueller's Day off regularly. Like I was uh, I was just a really adventurous kid. And then my teacher, my English teacher is the one who, because I would tell everybody, like, I'm going to be a comedian anyway. I hate this place. Like I just hated everything, which is natural for a 14 year old to go through so much uh, turmoil in such a short period of time. And she re- reined it in for me and she said, look, if you stop skipping, I'll allow you to do stand-up every Friday in class. And I was like, I'm game. I was like, that sounds like a great deal. And uh, I was like, hey, uh, can I freestyle something today? Because the first line actually said, how would your father feel if you don't graduate? And I started crying. I was like, it's a cold shot, Mrs. Reed. I was like, this really hurts. And, uh, and, I, and she said, yeah, you can do something today. I was like, as long as you can incorporate something from Shakespeare, because that's where we're studying. And I was like, okay, yeah. So I went up in front of the class with the book in my hand and started freestyling Macbeth. And kids were laughing. I was hooked, man. It was over. I was like, can I come in uh, tomorrow and do my own you know, set? She was like, yeah. So I wrote a whole set, came in the next day, did the set. And then she let me do it you know, every week. And then by week three, she took me to the theater arts department. She was like, listen, this kid's like, walking in doing like he's done like i think eight different accents and <laughs> really funny content that i've never heard of before like i think he belongs in here and miss Kreiser looked at me like look well, yeah maybe i do you know i don't know and that's it from there i'm just uh that really realigned my focus and gave me something to look forward to and and i started getting like leads in musical theater and i didn't even know i could sing i was like Doing that and played Pseudolus, and a funny thing happened on the way to the forum, which has easily transformed my life. I love Zero Mostel; I was introduced to him. Like it just, I just started learning so much and graduated with honors because of her. Like, that's amazing. Changed my whole life. I failed ninth grade because I just didn't go to school, and then I caught up so fast because I was so excited about theater and and I loved Chris Farley. So that's one thing I would do is I would wear a little jacket <laughs> and I would go roast kids as Chris Farley in a little jacket. <laughs> and and I was so good at it that my Spanish teacher, Judith De Fenella, got me out of other classes. So I basically got to skip with permission. And I had like four shows that day, just roasting other Spanish classes that she had. She was like, you have to do it. <laughs> I'll write you a thing. I was like, she's so good. She goes, if you can incorporate Spanish, I'll give you extra credit. I was like, okay, I'll figure it out. You know, just totally winging it. And I borrowed a jacket from the theater arts department. I ended up ripping it by accident, <laughs> but it, it really killed at that moment because it really, it really was spontaneous. And uh, I was just roasting kids. So I was just constantly I had this reputation that I would just do stand-up in class regularly, and I would be, you know, with permission, allowed to skip other classes to come do stand-up over there. So I was doing like multiple shows a day sometimes.
0: Obviously, your teachers think this is a good idea. How did your family respond to what obviously was a gift and was obviously working? With the other students, was this something that your mom was supportive of?
1: Oh, immediately, and she drove me to the clubs when I was not. She didn't. No, uh, she she absolutely <laughs> didn't understand it. You know, stand up comedy is an indigenous art form in America. I think there's two more. I think it's jazz and hip hop and stand up. Right. So jazz has spread throughout the planet many many years ago. Hip hop didn't really get there quite yet, and that was something I was introduced to. And so, was stand up. So. Those two things became a big part of my life. My mom didn't really understand it. I mean, I come from a highly educated family, education's first. And so, she didn't see the correlation like you had to be smart to be a great stand-up. You can't just be a great stand-up and be just a an idiot. You really very very hard to do it. And she never really understood the art form itself and where it could take you and so no, she was completely against it. Didn't understand it. She would constantly try to get me not to, because I would get in my Toyota camera and I would drive like 10 hours just to get into a club, right? And they're paying me like 75 bucks to do a feature spot so I can come back in a headline for like 300. You know what I mean? So it was one of those types of situations. She'd be like, how much are you making? I'm like, oh, I'm making 500 bucks. And she'd be like, um, I'll give you 500 bucks not to go. I was like, I'm really just making a hundred bucks. I'm lying already. And she was like, Well, I want to see the money when you come back. I was like, Oh shit! Because I was 17, you know. Yeah. So I would drive back. I would sneak into a casino in New Orleans, in uh, no, in um uh it was uh, Lake Charles, excuse me, right there on the border of Texas on the way back from Arkansas. I would stop there. I would sneak in there, and I, what I would do is I would wear nurses' scrubs, like, but I'd wear only the top and like put on athletic bottoms so it looks like I just got off work, so nobody would ID me. And I would go in and I would sit, play poker, and I would just wait for the greatest hand possible and I would go all in, double, do it again, wait another hour or two, go all in. Meanwhile, I'm like driving overnight to get to that final number. I was like, okay, good. I have like 450 bucks. I just say I bought lunch and a gas and just make up excuses. And I would go home and be like, see? She's like, I don't care. You know, like, I don't care. It's not good enough, you know? <laughs> and that actually drove me to a whole nother level. Like, it made me so focused where other guys that were starting were about the fantasy, not really about the work, you know? And so it really put me in a different mindset, so I'm really, really grateful for that. I think when my mom saw me at Radio City Music Hall with Dave, it was like Chappelle's show, and and, uh, I think it was uh, Lauren Hill was there that night. She was performing, and she saw me working that night. That's when it really like hit her. I hit like different levels with her. And then the special taping, of course. But just to put it in perspective, like my mom watches news and game shows. Like that's it, you know, that's all she does. And there was a picture, I think we're in Abu Dhabi of Formula One. It was like Chappelle, uh, Haddish, uh, Rock, Chris Tucker. I mean, it was like full of legends, Will Smith, and then uh, Steve Harvey. She looked at that picture, she goes, Oh, Steve Harvey. (laughs) My son really made it. My son really made it. Uh, But now, yeah, just like uh, it was like uh, about a year ago we were in the car and she was like, remember all those nights you would come home at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning and I was so worried you're up to no good but you had this whole vision for yourself that I couldn't see. And you would laugh at me. I didn't understand. And you had this clear vision for yourself. I was so proud of you. I'm so proud that you didn't listen to me. I'm so proud that you stuck with it. And it's the, I uh, was like the greatest moment. Uh, it was really, really sweet.
0: I mean, I have to imagine the very fact that you had the sort of family where poets would come over to the house. It's different, obviously. But the idea of writing and performing, it did seem like that was valued. I have to imagine your dad would just be so incredibly proud at what you've accomplished.
1: Oh, my dad would be blown away. He wouldn't yeah. even believe it. He couldn't even, he would be like, he, I maybe he would have. He was such an intuitive and inventive guy. Maybe he would have, but he's a special guy. He's a real special guy. Hey, we're
0: going to take a quick break and hear from some of our sponsors.
1: Family Trips is
0: sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey, Pashi. Yeah, Sufi. You know, what my favorite thing about this podcast is hmm. we get to talk and I like talking to you. And without this podcast, I feel we would talk less. And I think a lot of people in the world need someone to talk to and either don't have that person or are worried that what they want to talk about is not the sort of thing their friends and family want to hear, which is why therapy is such a helpful tool. Absolutely. You know, I think both of us would admit to being hotheads in our younger days. And it's still in there, but I feel like both of us have have probably gotten a handle on it somewhat through the help of therapy and some uh, introspection and maybe coming to the realization that you could catch more flies with honey. You could catch more flies with honey, and I feel like my relationship with you, my relationship with mom, my relationship with dad have all been helped thanks to therapy. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com slash trips today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot slash trips. Support for family trips comes from Fidelity. If you're like me, you're not looking to work forever, so that means you need to start planning for retirement, which might seem daunting. But with Fidelity, it's easy to start planning for retirement. Fidelity helps you envision your future while focusing on both your short and long-term goals. Fidelity will help you look at your full financial picture and help you create a plan to save effectively. A plan that helps you balance risk and reward based on your comfort level. And once you have the actionable steps that will help you get to the future, you can stress less about it and enjoy more of life right now. It's what Fidelity calls the planning effect. And you can learn more about it at fidelity.com slash planning effect. Investment involves risk, including risk of loss. Advisory services provided by Fidelity Personal and Workplace Advisors LLC for a fee. Brokerage services by Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. This episode of Family Trips is brought to you by Nissan. Hey, Pashi. ever wonder what's around the next corner? What happens if you push further? Seth, I know that's something you ask me every day. Sure do, because your answers are unsatisfactory to me. (laughs) (laughs) Nissan, on the other hand, gives us the answer. and That's why we're excited to partner with Nissan, because Nissan... SUVs have the capabilities to take your adventure to the next level. You know, Sufi, we love celebrating family adventures on this podcast called Family Trips. So take a Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada and go find your next big adventure. With the 2024 Nissan Rogue, the class-exclusive Google built-in is your always-updating assistant to call on for almost anything. No need to connect your phone as Google Assistant. Google Maps and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system on the 2024 Nissan Rogue. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Family Trips. Now go find your next big adventure and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. You know, I, I obviously, you know, it's a weird time, and and your father uh, passed away when you're young. But would you guys take family trips within the states? Were you, were there places you went?
1: Uh, no, I, I had a. We really didn't do that before that. I know this is all about family trips. Unfortunately, there well, was only one before it all happened. But <laughs> <laughs> but no, my memories of my dad was just, uh, you know, when he landed in the states, it's so grueling for him. He was in the 50s. He had to start over. He went from being a you know, from nothing, i say from from rags to riches to rags again, you know, like, so it was a really, really difficult thing, but he opened up a 99 cent store and he was well, like, well, it's 99 cent store plus. So he wore a suit every day to that. And, and he had his telephones that, you know, it was the neighborhood wasn't really that great. And he knew that the neighborhood probably most people that lived there didn't have access to all these really cool phones. For a good price. So every day suited up the entire line of most incredible innovative phones that people don't see it in that area. And he was selling them like hotcakes. That whole, he probably transformed that whole neighborhood. He was like, this phone has a hold button that plays music. They're like, you can play music. (laughs) You know, like he was just selling selling crazy. So I would get in this station wagon, that seat that no kid or any human being really should sit on, that last seat where you're facing out. And you're looking at everybody, it's just awkwardly just staring at everyone behind you. And we would go to Harwin Drive here in Houston, which is the import export capital of Houston, basically. And I would just go, we would go on trades. And that's how I learned just business. I learned business from him that way. And a lot of those friends that he made when he first landed in the states with all those merchants became my friends after he passed away. And they gave me jobs when I was a teenager with them just to kind of help out with the fam. But that's why I was skipping school when I was 14. I was doing so well selling merchandise. And that's what inspired it in the show. Because I, I was selling fake watches, I will—I'll I'll, I'll admit to this. I think there's a <laughs> statute
0: limitations is passed. <laughs> Do you think anyone's ever going to come come at you and be like, "Hey, this is not real." <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> Just, exactly. Hey, Mo, I remember <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah. Maybe that maybe happened, <laughs> but the funny thing is, they would show up because at the end of the week, I worked at this convenience store and I would sell so much at this convenience store, at the end of the week, they were all wearing the same stuff, you know, outside. They're like, hey, where'd you get that from? Oh, man, oh! and they would walk in. They're like, man, you told me it was the last one. I was like, well, it was the last one at that time. I got new merchandise and it happened. But for real, for real, this is the only one that I have. This is Mubato, it's two-tone, it's the only one that I have, and I promise I won't sell another one. They're like, oh, man, that's really cool. I was like, yeah, you want it? They would come in upset. They would leave with more merchandise. <laughs> what do you
0: think you were selling a watch for? What do you think, what were you getting per piece?
1: I was getting anywhere from $100 to $150 a piece. Yeah, that's pretty good. I'd buy them for about 50 bucks. That's pretty good. And I would yeah. get them on consignment initially. No, it was a really good margin. <laughs> <laughs> sure is. But the thing is, no one can get access to them. So you can't get them. So if you got them, then it's like, you know, you'd have to go already If you're the right guy. And then there's different levels of fake, which is hilarious, you know? Oh, this one, you can hear the ticking. This is a disaster. You can't wear that. Like, here it's supposed to be kinetic energy and work and, you know, winds itself. This thing is a disaster. Can't be wearing that. You know, like I would tell them this. I would have the treat version and I would have... The, the excellent version of like see the difference listen to that can't hear anything they are like yeah you're right I'll sell you this for 50 bucks if you want but if you want to go it was 150 dollars you know, if you want that right and yeah. the one you'd sell for 50 you probably got for 20 yeah sometimes maybe 15 yeah. probably yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you love Houston were you into Houston sports were you like were you trying to go to like Astros games, Rockets games, Oilers games. Back
1: then, was Absolutely. it Oilers? I only went to one Oilers game. Uh, it was much harder to go to those. I went to go see Dan Marino and Warren Moon play against each other. That was like a huge thing for me. My brother dropped me off at the game. I ran in. It was the most exciting thing ever. Saw. So I got to check off that uh, on my bucket list. Love baseball. Went to tons of Astros, Braves playoff games. Unfortunately, those ended horribly but went there, got to experience the Astrodome. And now, you know, I Hakeem Olajuwon, the Dream, is uh, one of my, you know, people I looked up to so much when I was a kid. He was so easily accessible as well for us. I would see him all the time at the mosque or whatever, he would just show up. And we couldn't believe that he would just be there. And then just quite literally two days ago, I sat with him at the Rockets game and we were talking about my show. And, you know, I got to do a and a with him. And my dad, before he passed away, actually, he took me to meet Hakim at a Nigerian mosque on Friday prayer. Uh, and I showed him the picture. He remembered my father. He remembered that day. It's surreal. And now the Astros are like the guys I grew up idolizing and looking up to. The Astros are like my friends and they're coming out to my show. And I have all their baseballs, as you can see. Like I'm super yeah. into it. I have all their yeah. baseballs back here. and. And uh, my whole office is flooded with memorabilia and they just gave me a Astros World Series ring. Like I can't I'm so excited. I know you guys are from wow. East Coast and it says four now against the Yankees. I just wanna remind you guys. Oh no, we're that. we're Red Sox uh, fans. Very happy that you I knew beat you're Yankees. Red Sox, yeah, yeah. Very yeah. happy you beat the yeah. I, I will yeah. say
0: there's nothing better than being on a first name basis with someone you first loved as an athlete.
1: Insane. You
0: just can't believe it. They seem like a different species. And then when you yes. actually meet them, and especially in your case, the fact that you're making work that they want to go buy a ticket for. To be able to flip the script like that,
1: what an awesome thing. It's unbelievable. So, Reggie Jackson, Mr. October himself, he now works with the Astros, invites me to the Mr. October Foundation golf tournament last year. And I'm about to tee off I'm like, you know, I used to play a lot, but I just don't have time for it anymore. And so I was just on the just practice greens like this, just looking around. I look to the left, I see Marcus Allen. I look to the right, it's like uh, Mike Singletary. I look behind me, it's A Rod and uh, Derek Jeter. Uh, they're talking. Then Ken Griffey Jr. walks up. I'm like, "What the fuck am I doing here?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> I just huh? couldn't believe it. And then. Uh, and then my golf cart disappears. I'm like, where the hell's my golf cart? It's like, it's my club's on it. Where's my golf cart? They're like, Earl Too Tall Jones took your golf cart, man. <laughs> and I'm like, going to Earl Too Tall Jones. Like, where's Too Tall, tall Jones? I see him. I was like, yeah, that's too tall for sure. He's Taller than everybody here. I just walk up to him, I'm looking up to him, I was like, What'd you do with my golf cart, man? I need my golf clubs like this. He was like, I didn't take your golf clubs. She's, Cece's the Bathia got drunk and took your golf clubs. That's what I heard. And he took your golf cart. So I'm like, I'm like, everybody find Cece. Where's Cece? It was just so. Well, I couldn't believe it. It was like inside of my own fantasy. So surreal.
0: You feel like all those people should only be in the same place if it's a cartoon. Like, it doesn't seem like they should physically all be able to be in the same place.
1: Yeah, I couldn't believe it. And then they asked me to do, like, at the opening dinner. I'm like the only guy, like, bidding on all the stuff. I'm like the kid. I'm like, can you, can you sign this for me? It was like, it was this kid's first time. I thought he was like, uh, I thought he was like, you know, he's not going to do it. I'm like, no, 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 I really need this, though. I need you to, I'm, I'm, bit, I bid on everything i been on it. All the I've been. I literally bid on everything. I put my name. Over. My wife's like, "What are you doing?" it's like, "I, I just. This is. I, I don't care. I want this. I want it. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I want all of it. I just couldn't resist. Man. it was like the. It was a kid. And our group of players. They, they put all the non-athletes together. So it was myself, Bun B, Fifty Cent, Travis Scott myself, Uh, who else? Oh, Scarface. And then Warren Moon would just pop in and then all of a sudden Terrell Owens would just pop out of the woods. I'm like, I I don't know what what planet this is, but I love it. This is literally the greatest day of my life. Good outcome for a a young sports fan.
0: You mentioned doing arenas when you go back and do shows in the Middle East, which must be amazing. How did they first become hip to your stand-up?
1: Man, so... I started going there in the 2007 I started doing Egypt shows in Egypt I think it was the first Arab American comedian to ever perform there doing a stand up comedy there it was 2006 actually and then I went back in 7 and 8 and that became a thing like once you start performing in a particular area in that region it just catches on like word of mouth really starts to spread and I created a foundation for that but I didn't have a passport yet so I was a still, you know, stateless and I didn't have an American passport. So I would have to wait or or sometimes I would fly to the country. I would fool the, the ticketing agent, mislead, let's just say mislead the ticketing <laughs> agent in America. So when I get there... They'd be like, how did you get here? I'm like, listen, I'm already here. I'm like, I have a show. I got this show. I'm leaving yeah. <laughs> tomorrow. Like, it's not a big deal. It's like, no, no, no. It's a very big deal. I got a nice watch
0: for you. I could give you a deal.
1: <laughs> it was wild. It would have to just sit there. I, I remember sitting there for 17 hours waiting for them to let me. In. I'm like, listen, guys, it's almost 3 p.m. My show starts at eight. I remember I think I said this to one of them, look, what you resist shall persist. Okay. I'm already here. Just like me. you don't want to pay for my flight back. I have a flight tomorrow. I have a flight tomorrow. I'm out of here. <laughs> they would let me yeah. in. And it was that. And then it just grew from there. And of course, after I dropped my first special, The Vagabond, that became a whole thing. And then and then my series. And I dropped the second special. It just after the series, it took it to a whole another level in general, just globally for me. Not only in the States, but just globally. Yeah, it's it's a surreal experience. I don't even know how to put it into words. Like really, it just uh that picture, like I said, when I in Cairo, felt like it was telling the future. Yeah, that whole picture said it all. There was the military aspect of it. My mom and brother, the writer, hands on my shoulder. The fact that I was holding a video camera, that picture just tells you everything. The fact that I saw Ali Imam was the first experience of live performance, stage performance. It was just there, and now I'm going back, and they're building venues. Like I, I don't, I, I don't even know. I'm just constantly crying backstage. I'm like, I don't know what to do with all this. You know, I, don't, I remember FaceTiming Chappelle. I'm like, I, I got to snap out of this. I got to go on stage. I can't. I'm so emotional. Yeah. Like, I don't even know how to filter it. Like, how is this even real? It's pretty spectacular.
0: Yeah. I mean, I imagine like, I mean, if that emotion ever comes out, I'm sure the audience is right there with you. Like, it's yeah, it's awesome.
1: Yeah. You know, Dave, Dave told me you're about to have an amazing set. If you're that like feeling all oh, that, it's gonna be an amazing set. And sure enough, I went on stage. It was just one of the best sets I've um, I've had. Like it was just a a thing comes out of you, and and I'm so grateful to have that. It's a really beautiful thing. That's awesome. I
0: would imagine with uh, with Rami, with Mo, with your stand up, you have this experience that's shared by this giant audience that probably hasn't seen their stories on TV in the same way, or must hear so much
1: appreciation from people. Uh, how lovely
0: it is to see a story that
1: reflects the life they've lived considering what's going on in the world it's a privileged life you know although that it was extremely difficult i consider myself truly a privileged refugee somebody who had the ability my parents were able to had so much forward thought and bring us into a place where where we can be set up for success and set up that foundation for us so i'm very grateful for that at the same time yeah it's the I realized, you know, early on, I was the only Muhammad in the South, like, doing stand-up. So (laughs) I started walking to clubs. I didn't even know. Like, you got to remember, I've only been in the States, like, eight years at that point when I walked into a comedy club. And people were like, you sound like Kennison. I'm like, who's Kennison? I don't know who Kennison is. They're like, you don't know who Kennison is? Like, no, I basically just got here. I don't know what you're talking about. And they're like, you sound like Andy Murphy. I'm like, "Um, the actor? He does comedy? They're like, yes he does comedy bro (laughs) you sound like what are you doing and like yeah you sound like this guy they would just tell me i sound like these people that i don't know who the hell they're talking about like what do you mean and then the next day it was a really really nice guy he gave me like all these vhs tapes of all these specials he was like go do your homework i was like okay i'm thank you for that because we didn't have cable like we just went back and i popped him in and it just Opened me up to a whole new world. And then my mentor, Danny Martinez, just schooled me on all of them. And he mentored a lot of great comedians that went on to have very successful careers. Uh, I think Tishon Shannon wrote for us, enough for like 10 oh, years. Oh, yeah. Like I Ed know Tishon. You know Tishon? Yeah, we overlapped yeah. in my early years. He's great. Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he mentored him. He walked into his club. He had Ralphie May. Uh, he mentored Ralphie. when Nobody would put him on stage. He put Ralphie on, mentored him. And he's the one who took me under his wings when I was 17. He was like, listen, kid, if you listen to what I have to say, you're going to be very successful, but it's going to take you 20 years for that overnight success. But if you're not going to listen to me, then don't waste my time. And I was like, I'm in. And sure enough, like it was right on point. He, he visualized my entire career, and he was completely on point.
0: Um, Josh always hates when I tell SNL stories, but I'm going to tell a quick T Tishon story.
1: Please. Which yeah. stuck with me okay. for a
0: long time. Yeah. So it was my first year on the show, and I would just sit at my computer, and I just looked like stress personified, right? <laughs> just so nervous. And I remember one day, you could hear people through the wall, and one room over, there were like four people working on a sketch. They were laughing so hard while they were working on the sketch, in that way that makes you feel terrible about you looking at <laughs> And Tishan walked by, saw me, poked his head, and he goes, you know what, let me give you a little secret about showbiz. The ones you yuck it up the most about while you're writing, you're going to eat shit tomorrow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, s- I swear that's what I was thinking. I was thinking yeah. the same exact thing. Yeah. Every time somebody gets super confident about it, I'm like, they're going to bomb. Yeah.
0: He also used to say, he. another thing he said is, uh, always be nervous about the host who's not nervous on Saturday. If you go up to the host who's never done SNL and is about to do, you know, ninety minutes alive, and you say, "How you feeling?" If they say, "Great," it's about to be a real nightmare of a show because <laughs> you should be nervous. <laughs> there are certain things you should be
1: nervous about. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I and this actually helped me in my framing of versus nervous and butterflies. Yes. Like this this thing gets like um, you know, muddied a little bit, and sometimes guys when they get nervous, they lose perspective and if you just shift the framing and go no it's just because i care so much yeah it's the only reason why i'm nervous or have any kind of butterflies it's this excitement and this like desire to do so well so just focus on doing well and remember what you need to do and give yourself those pointers and it's amazing what happens to the nerves they just start yeah. to dissipate and that's uh i can't wait man i hope to have that opportunity to host sml one day and be like a real full circle moment i can't wait
0: you'd be fantastic at it and this has been a so lovely Mo, to, to speak to about your incredible story it really is something credit to your family credit to your parents thank you so
1: much thank you thank you for yeah. having me josh good to see your face yes yeah it's josh good to did show.
0: about halfway through i was able to jump on here no so. it was beautiful, and, uh, beautiful good to see you too man josh is now going to ask you a few quick questions I got, I got some quick questions for you some these are these are some quick hitters let's do it you can only pick one of these your ideal vacation is it relaxing adventurous or educational oh shit that's a good one <laughs>
1: Relaxing. I'm gonna go relaxing. Okay, good. good, There you go. There you go. No shame in that. Because you could relax and read a book, so it could be educational at the same time, right? You could just make it educational if you want to. Yeah. Yeah. I don't need to go on a little adventurous. Who the hell wants that? I want to climb and be exhausted. When I'm there, let's go hiking for six days. You can keep that. Okay. You can keep that. I want to go relax.
0: Yeah. You could also read an adventurous
1: book as you lay on the beach. You can listen to an audio book. Right before you slip off the cliff on an adventurous (laughs) vacation. Yeah, great. Uh,
0: What is your favorite means of transportation?
1: Train, plane, automobile, boat, bike, walking. Oh, my favorite—not practical—motorcycle. All right, great. Great. Love motorcycles. Do you have a bike? Do you have multiple bikes? I do. I have multiple bikes. All yeah, specific type of engineering from different. You know, I have a Triumph, British-made. Uh, classic carb yeah exactly Uh, BMW and then I have uh, an original Indian Scout which is the first V-twin engine and then I have the first bike is the Honda that I donated to my show that we used for the series and that's in my garage they're all in there
0: with a seven week old how many days until your wife says sell those motorcycles
1: (laughs) (laughs) she's really really supportive honestly I'm the one that's that's like I don't want to they're kind, kind of like more display pieces now than anything else Okay. Good. There's one, and I don't. I'm not a city rider. Like that's not. That's not appealing to me at all. I'm more of like, oh, we're gonna go hang out in Ohio with Chappelle's, and we're gonna take a road trip somewhere. Is country like put it on the trailer, do country rides. Like I, I nothing about it's like, oh yeah, I just can't wait to zip through traffic. Horrible riding experience. Like I don't want that at all. I want open yeah. road, beautiful country to see around. You know, in my surroundings. Uh, I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy. Oh, I got to get gotcha. out there, man. You know, like, no, no. <laughs> I'm good. If you could take a vacation with any
0: family other than your own family, they could be fictional, they could be real, they could be alive or dead. What family would you love to take a family vacation with? <sighs>
1: the simpsons i think i want to go on vacation oh, with the good simpsons answer. Really good answer. yeah first great. simpsons We've not
0: gotten that yeah and that would be uh, that would be fun yeah, i think I'd, I'd like to do that i would def take a family vacation <laughs> with them if you had to be stranded on a desert island with one
1: member of your family who would it be i think my nephew my nephew mo i think he's very he's okay. very resourceful strong uh-huh quiet yeah. you know he's very quiet right. He's very chill. That's what I want. I don't want somebody yapping all day. You know That's what I mean? Very smart. I think yeah. resourceful plus quiet. He's also a pilot, so if we uh-huh. do find a plane somewhere, we can get the <laughs> hell out of there. You know what I mean? It's very great. good. I need those I need those skill set.
0: And you consider Houston your hometown now? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. And would you recommend Houston as a vacation destination?
1: Yes. If your vacation needs to be like Around the most amazing food you've ever had in America, like you would come to Houston for sure. Like, great. Houston is wildly underrated. I think I truly it has the best food anywhere in the United States. All right, you can get anything you want. Except for some reason, Chinese food not so great. But Vietnamese, Korean, kill it.
0: Everything else, great. All right, great. Gotcha. And then Seth, you want to take it away here? Mo, have you been to the Grand Canyon? I have. Yes. And is it worth it? No, it's not worth it. Not really.
1: No, it's not great. Thank you, bro. <laughs> it's really just.
0: Did you have waste a lot of buildup? A lot of lead up? Were you excited for it and then let down?
1: Or were you it just, I went to the biggest dry well of all time. Like, like what happened? <laughs> like, it's not really great. Hot. So happy. I just hated it. I'm So like, happy. This is what I came for. <laughs> I wish we just flew over it. It was yeah. actually better to fly over it. When they were like, oh, there's a gentleman on the right hand side, there's a uh, Grand Canyon. I was like, yeah, great. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Way bang, done. Checked off the All list. All right. Oh, yeah, Mo, sure. I was
0: really enjoying this, but that's the real cherry on top how quickly you <laughs> gave a no to the Grand Canyon.
1: No, easily answer Grand Canyon.
0: Waste of yeah, life. Yeah, no, it did not seem like it was causing you a lot of consternation. <laughs> a waste
1: of life. <laughs> a waste of life. Yeah, those hours that it took me to get there and come back, I'll never get back.
0: And again, most most sat in an Egyptian airport for seventeen hours. And he yeah. didn't want to it wasn't yes. worth it to go to the yeah, grand Canyon.
1: That was worse. That was much worse. I'd rather be stateless again. I'd rather be stateless with no passport in the middle of the desert cooking bread on old coal. Like I would rather do that. I'd rather do that than go back to the grand actually. They're both similar experiences. That would be the same thing. <laughs> Go to the Great Canyon and being homeless. It just nothing about it. Oh, yeah, let me take a walk on this clear sidewalk that I could just, you know, be so close to death. I don't want that. Who wants this? Oh, you can't believe
0: how many suckers want it, man. You know?
1: Maybe if it was like the, my last days on planet and I was, I was intending to jump off of the parachute off of it because yeah. I'm getting more risque because I don't have much time anyway. You know what I mean? Like maybe right, yeah, yeah. maybe that's what I would do. Yeah, it's like a, a an adventurous hospice. Yes, you know, that, yeah, yes.
0: <laughs> Big I fan mean, of there adventurous. Should hospice. be more of those.
1: Hundred percent. Those yeah. guys don't have much time. Let's skydive now. Yeah. Let them live it I up. I might yeah. die on the way down. Great way to go.
0: Yep, great way to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you, Mo, for your time. It has been an absolute delight hanging out with you today. Yeah, thank you, Mo. Thank
1: you so much for having Likewise. Thank you, guys. And congrats on the new one. Congrats on the baby. Thank you so much. He'll do the podcast next time. I got you. Be well. Much love. Peace. Mo oh, move to Houston Two days before
0: Halloween Nobody told him They try making you scream Kids went to the
1: bathroom They called Bloody Mary That shit was scary What's wrong with these
0: kids? So now he works out Yeah.